We are excited for 2020. How about you? We're believing God to do great things. He already is. And we're expecting God to do mighty exploits in and through us. Our theme for 2020 is your kingdom come. Can you say that with me? Your kingdom come. And you see a lot of people wearing these already that have purchased them. And uh, I know we're selling a lot of apparel today that's out there representing this theme out of Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 today as we look at God's Word. And it's a familiar portion of Scripture where we are drawing this theme from. You know, all of us have been at sporting events and gone through school where we have said, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. You know, we've said it time and time again in uh, many different occasions. And what we fundamentally have said is that no matter where we are, there is a national allegiance, that we have a commitment to a nation, a commitment to a kingdom, the United States of America, a constitutional commitment that operates by a democratic process. That's where we live. So everywhere we go, it's been prescribed that we are reminded that we pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation under who? God. Cannot be divided with liberty and justice for all. And we've memorized it, we've repeated it so many times, that we are citizens here, that we understand that we're, we're a part of the United States of America because we've been born, we're a citizen here. When we came to the Lord Jesus Christ, we became born again and accepted him, that we became a citizen of another kingdom. You and I became a part of another civilization, if you will, another community, the kingdom of God. So we shouldn't be surprised when we read Matthew chapter 6, and we look at this in verse 9 and 10, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Today, we only have time to talk about these three words, your kingdom come. Can you say them with me again? Your kingdom come. That's our theme for 2020. We are excited. This theme will carry us through the next 12 months together as a church as we journey through God's word, as we build relationship with one another. Your kingdom come, Lord. Three words that are known as the Lord's prayer inside of this great context of scripture. He says, so if you're going to pray, he says, then pray like this in Matthew chapter 6. You, you, you maybe don't have to say the exact words, but he says, here's a pattern for prayer regardless of the words that you use. Our Father, who lives in a whole nother realm in heaven, you are someone very special. Isn't that true? Holy is your name your kingdom come. And so he's saying in the context from the very beginning of this portion of scripture here that we know as the Lord's prayer that he is reminding us that we have a father that is in heaven. And to understand that is so important because our father wants a relationship with us. Amen? That our father loves us. 
and that we can be his children if we accept the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and come to know him as our personal Lord and Savior. And he says, you know, when once you've gotten God's person straight, that's when you can connect with God's plan. And God's plan is summed up in the word kingdom, where we pledge our allegiance to the kingdom of God. The word kingdom comes from the Greek word basilia, which means a rule. It means authority. When we use the word kingdom, we're talking about the comprehensive rule of God over all of creation, that God is king over everything. You know, we can easily lose sight of this in our, word, in our world that we live in, the fact that God is our king. We may wonder, well, if he is king over the kingdom, then why is there so much craziness in the world? It's because there are many that think they are the king and so that we have kingdoms in conflict today and we know that Satan has set up a kingdom to rival the kingdom of God. To understand how far-reaching his rule and reign is, the psalmist reminds us in Psalm 103 in verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens. Our Father who is where? In heaven. That's where he is saying, and that his sovereignty rules over everything. That our Father is in charge today. It doesn't matter what you see in the news or what is going on. We have a Father in heaven that is absolutely in 100% control today. If you believe that, say yes. Psalm 145 says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through every generation. He rules over all forever, the word says. As we enter into this new year of 2020, for the next 21 days, we're asking you to go on a journey with us as we pray and as we fast together. That we're asking this church to pray and to fast together for the kingdom of God to come. What does that mean? I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. That we are believing, we're talking about a king who rules a kingdom that overrules everything else. So that for the next 21 days starting today, that you would give something up and say, I'm going to give something up in my life so that, God, I can focus and concentrate on you. Now, remember, to fast is just means you're skipping something. But if you pray and you fast together, that is where the real power comes in. Prayer and fasting through Scripture is God's design. That we understand that when you and I touch heaven in prayer, you and I are not going to some anemic place in prayer where the person that's sitting there can't even help you. You're going to someone who sits as sovereign that is over absolutely everything. The point in the concept of the kingdom of God is you and I cannot hallow God's name if we're not willing to service his kingdom. That you know when we come and we say, God, you are my father, and I want your kingdom to come, that doesn't mean that we want our plans to rule and reign over his plans. Amen? Holy is your name, your kingdom, not my kingdom. That day by day, you and I are all faced with this, which kingdom we choose to follow. When you and I come face to face with the person of God, he will then begin to unveil his plan. We see this in Scripture in the Old Testament. The precedence is set. 
where Moses saw the burning bush and he took off his shoes. He came face to face with God. Then God showed Moses his plan. What was his plan? Go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. That when you and I come in contact with God, the only thing that will really matter in his presence is his kingdom and his business, and then he will tell us his plan. The fastest way to get his plan is to come and say, God, let your kingdom come. What do do I mean when I say God's plan? Well, that's your calling. That's your purpose. That's your direction. Which job you are to take. That you and I come and we hallow the name of God. God, your name is holy. And this gets you into the presence of God, a burning bush experience. And it's in his presence that you and I will only be concerned with the kingdom of God and nothing else. That I'm coming into your presence, God, to service your kingdom. That changes things, doesn't it? Matter of fact, that changes everything in our lives. That alters everything when we come. That takes faith. That takes faith to decipher who has the better kingdom, doesn't it? The kingdom, he says, is in heaven, like Washington, D.C. operates the United States of America, Capitol Hill. God's kingdom operates from the heavenlies. That's why prayer is so important. Prayer is important because it is heaven that informs earth. If you're with me, say yes. Earth does not inform heaven. Heaven informs earth. Wow, that's powerful to know that. A lot of people think earth informs heaven. No, heaven informs the earth that we live in. That's why it's so important to pray, your kingdom come. God is the king. He rules over all from that kingdom. It's from another realm into this realm. And so what many people would like is they want the benefits of the kingdom without the rulership of the king. And you can't have it that way. Some of us have kids like that, don't we? They don't want us. They just want our money. Are you with me? Right? Yeah, they don't really want us. They want, well, yeah, they do love us. But remember John chapter 6? Everyone was hungry. Everybody wanted something to eat. There's thousands of people sitting before Jesus and his disciples in John chapter 6. And he looks to Philip and he asks him the question, how are we going to feed all these people? And Philip gave a great theological answer. I don't have the slightest idea. Right? How many have ever been faced with that today? You've got a mountain that's in front of you. You've got a valley that's in front of you. And you're wondering how you're going to get through it. And God's looking at you and you're like, I have no idea how I'm going to get through this. This is what Philip was poised with as well in John 6. We have 5,000 people come out here. He turns to Andrew I said, uh, he said, I don't know either what we're going to do, but you know what? There's a little boy with a couple of fish and some barley loaves, and, and uh, Jesus said, well, bring that to me. And they brought the fish and the loaves to Jesus, and Jesus said a word of prayer over them, and all of a sudden, Moby Dick is laying on the beach, and they got enough fish, right? The Bible says Jesus feeds the 5,000, the men not counting women and children, And there are 12 basketfuls left over, one basket for every doubting disciple, I guess. I don't know. But at the end of the story in John 6, it says, but when Jesus recognized that they wanted to make him king, he disappeared out of their midst. Why? He understood what they wanted. They wanted Burger King rather than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 
that God, I want only your blessing. I want only the monetary, only the food that you have to give me. And Jesus disappeared from their midst because that's not the king he came to be. This prayer is talking about a king that rules over absolutely everything. That's what I declare to you today. God didn't create us to bless us. No, God created us to bless him. Amen, church? That's what he's created in us. And it's through the blessings he gives us, we bless other people, though. God rules over the entire universe. So when you pray, you're praying to somebody who rules and who overrules. That's why we pray, your kingdom come. You're talking to somebody that can overrule. Romans chapter 11 and verse 36 says this, from him, through him, and to him are all things. Everything is for God's purposes. So he rules, and I like this, he overrules as well. The Bible is full of God overruling circumstances that absolutely looked impossible to humanity. He overruled as he stepped into situations. Go all the way back to the Tower of Babel where man thought they were going to be this one great human power, one civilization, one race, and build a monument of humanism. And the Bible said God confused their language in that moment. He overruled in that circumstance because they can't be God and he can be God at the same time. Nebuchadnezzar thought he was something until God let him go insane, until Nebuchadnezzar came back and said, the only God I know is one. Wow, God is able to overrule even the most hardened-hearted person. Another one in Daniel chapter 5, where God overruled Meshach. We know that Shadrach and Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar said, destroy them in the fire. And God said, not today. And he overruled a circumstance in that situation. God is a God that overrules our circumstances. That's why you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come. And he can change it. You know, God can overrule kingdoms in our life. How many of you know that? God can overrule the kingdom of your boss today. God can overrule the kingdom of your friends, the kingdom of your enemies, the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of a medical report today. Is anybody with me today? God can overrule the most impossible circumstances that are amongst us. Amen? You see, when you came in today at our Stevens City and our Clearbrook campus, there's a banner on the wall that has your kingdom come on it. There is a magic marker there for us to write down areas where you are needing to see God overrule on your behalf and in your circumstance and your situation. Maybe it's the name of a person that is away from God. God is greater than their lostness. Amen? God is able to touch them and minister. Maybe it's a medical report. And all you can do is write one word where you need to see God rule and reign in, no matter what it may be. Would you take a moment before you leave today? Would you write, maybe it's a sentence, maybe it's a word where you need to see God's kingdom coming in that circumstance throughout this year. We're going to keep it up there. But also, we want to share with you the testimonies that come from that as well. Believing God is able to do the miraculous and overrule the scenarios of earth. Amen? 
God has the power to overrule any other kingdom that is set up against his dominion and his rule. How many of you know that there are rival kingdoms set up in many places in our lives? How many of you know there can be rival kingdoms in our own home with our teenagers, right? We think, you know, a rival kingdoms when you say, hey, be home at 10 o'clock. And they say, you know what, I'm going to come home a little later than that. I think I'll be home at midnight and you're not going to tell me what to do. That's a rival kingdom here on earth. That is two authorities in the same house with different rules and somebody has got to move. And I believe the person that ought to move is the one that is not paying the bills. How many of you are with me now? Right? The person that should move is the person that's not paying the bills. Hello, you're in my house. You're in my, oh, I can never say that to my kids. Okay, snowflake, be happy with that as life goes on. I can never do that because my kids are the CEO of my home. A lot of people live that way. So there's two rival kingdoms inside your home. What's going to win? There are rival kingdoms set up in our lives. And uh, if you come and you come into my house today and you say, well, I really don't like the rules of your home. When you come into my house, you have to adjust to my rules. And the same is true for your home as well. That if anybody comes into your home, they have to adjust to your rules. See, we lose the clarity of God's plan when we don't adjust to the rules of his kingdom. The kingdom of God has to do with the plans of God that he has for us. The source of God's kingdom is spiritual. Look at John 18, 36. Jesus is before Pilate. And this is such a powerful principle. Jesus before Pilate, he's a very important question to ask Jesus. And the question is, are you the king of the Jews? I mean, let's get this plan laid out now, Jesus. I want to know. Some people are saying you're the king. Some people are saying you're trying to be the king. What's the deal? And in verse 36, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. I'm perceiving everything through what you have to say and what you're doing right now. I'm discerning through your thoughts and your limited ability at this moment. And I'm seeing through all of that. I'm telling you right now, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom starts in heaven, and what I make in heaven will happen upon this earth. God's kingdom is comprehensive. It's another realm. What realm? A spiritual realm. That's why prayer is so vital. Prayer transports you, takes you to another realm. It takes you out of the realm of the five senses and puts you in the sixth sense. It puts you and me in the realm, in the unseen and the unheard, and it puts you in the realm outside of space and time. That's why that realm is so important. Why? Because the Bible says heaven rules earth. If heaven rules earth, then why are we spending so much time with just earthly matters? We're not going to where the power is. The power is in the unseen realm. That's why the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.18, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Prayer is taking a look in the unseen realm. See, God is so hardwired, the universe that we live in, that when the current of prayer flows, it flows from the unseen realm to the seen realm. And if we really believe that, we would pray more. It's because we don't believe it that we pray less. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That we would pray more if we really believed. That's the concept of the kingdom. 
And there's a call that comes with the kingdom because he says, your kingdom come, your kingdom come. He's calling for the kingdom of God to come forth. That's so important for us to know today. You and I have the ability to call forth the kingdom of God into our circumstance. Come on, kingdom of God. Come forth, kingdom of God. Come here, kingdom of God, and do something powerful and real in this moment. So that's what we're calling God to do in 2020 at, our, at our, both of our campuses and in this area, in this community. But the greater thing is you say, well, what does that really mean? What is the call? It's saying, God, I want the invisible kingdom to become the visible kingdom that I need in my daily experience every single moment. God, come out of the invisible realm of your kingdom into the visible realm of your kingdom. I'm asking you, God, to manifest yourself in time and space. Though you stand outside of time and space, you are an eternal God. And I'm asking you, kingdom of God, to come forward and change the circumstance and change the situation that I'm going through. Am I just preaching to myself this morning or is the body of Christ listening to the word of the Lord? Amen? Kingdom of God, come forth. Well, there is power in what we have to say. There's power in our words. God, I want what's invisible to be made visible. I'm asking you to demonstrate yourself to be made visible. I believe a powerful way for us to experience this this year is really felt led as we come out of 2019 and 2020 that we would just really, as I share with our, our pastoral staff, really take a book of the Bible in 2020 and just preach through a book of the Bible. So we're going to do that starting next week. We're going to be preaching through the gospel of John in 2020, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And I believe that God is going to do great and mighty things through us because we are going to see what God has done and demonstrated himself through Jesus Christ coming out of eternity and bringing Jesus to this earth and ascending and descending onto the scene a mighty work of God through Jesus Christ, that he would be made visible. Could you imagine how different this year would be as we pray this prayer together, that we're asking God, make yourself visible in my family. Wow, the kingdom that would come and change, your kingdom would change my kingdom, and my kingdom would go so that your kingdom can come into my experience and that we would say, hey, you know, what would it be like if, if all of us took many moments out this year and we walked around our neighborhoods and we prayed for every single house? When's the last time you've prayed for every single house in your neighborhood as you walked by to pray, God, your kingdom come, that God, you care about these people. You care about them, so we care about them. And so that we would pray these prayers and we would believe God to show up and come into the visible realm and expect God to do something that we have not been able to do. How about into your campus? How about into this city? How about into this nation and the nations of the earth? God, your kingdom, your kingdom, your kingdom come. So what we're doing is we're praying for God's rule. We're praying for his rule among us and through us. And so as we get a hold of God in prayer, we're saying, God, we're relating this to your plan because your kingdom has everything to do with your plan. We're asking him to handle the order of affairs starting with me working out through me into the various spheres of my life. 
And so you have to take in God's word at face value that God has precedence. That's what he has to have. This starts when we become a follower of Christ. That we understand in Matthew chapter 18, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. He says, you have to come to me. There's a, there's a change that needs to happen. And as you do, you go through a transfer and now you're part of the kingdom of God. And then the kingdom moves from conversion to commitment to the kingdom of God. That I am not only converted and born again, but now I'm a committed follower of Jesus. And so I am preoccupied in the pursuit of divine purposes of his kingdom. I want God to manifest yourself in your plan through me. Amen? You might say, well, John, what if my plan maybe is not what God wants? Bingo. You know, you've had your child come to you, Dad, Mom, I want this, right? I want this. No. On another occasion, Dad, Mom, I want this. You say yes. So what's at stake in the bigger agenda is what gets the nod of God. You don't say no to be mean, do you? Well, some of you might, but you to your kids, right? But no, it's a bigger agenda that's at hand because it's not best for you now. No is in the best interest of the person asking. So what we have to do is we have to adjust ourselves to God. See, there are far too many part-time Christians. You can't pray your kingdom come and stay a part-time believer in Jesus. As you and I will watch teams today on the football field, you realize that there's a coach that's there, and every coach has a plan for his team. There's a particular philosophy of game that he has to his team that he gives them. The, the athletes have to learn particular offensive and defensive plans. They must adopt. They must acclimate to it. Then the team is to rally around and execute the plan for maximum productivity. The coach drafts the players. The players don't draft the coach, right? God has a game plan, and you and I have a strategic part if you and I want to be a part of it. We have to pursue God's plan to be successful in his kingdom. So the communication of the kingdom is absolutely critical. When we say your kingdom come, those are big, powerful words. You're communicating that, God, I want your reality in my reality at this moment. You're communicating something. God, I'm calling forth the kingdom into the situation. You want his kingdom to be realized today. You don't wait until you get, go to heaven to see God's plan completely worked out. Amen? You want to see it now. What are you communicating? What do you want to see? You want to see the power of the kingdom. You want to see power. Remember in Acts chapter 1, when they wanted to know when Christ was going to come back, right, and set up his eternal kingdom, and that, was, that would be the ultimate answer to your kingdom come. And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the time or the day or the hour. He, what he told them in, in that first part of Acts is, don't stand there looking up to the sky. Don't just be waiting for my return. But he says, I've got a plan for you, and I've got an assignment for you now in Acts 1.8. But you will receive what? Power. You don't have to wait for Christ, you don't have to wait for Jesus Christ to return to get his power. 
but you can have his power right now. You don't have to wait for it. That power is already with you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Then why are we so powerless if we've got all this power available to us? Well, it's not a problem of access. Every believer has the same power source. How is it that some are moving and some are going nowhere in their spiritual walk? Why is it that some Christians can see the work of the Holy Spirit, works of deliverance, works of power, works of healing, bringing victory, and other Christians see perpetual defeat? One group is concerned of Jesus' kingdom, and the other group is not. How did they experience the power in the book of Acts? They went to Jerusalem. That's where he told him to go. And I want you to come into my presence, God says. He says, go to Jerusalem. And instead of coming up with a plan and program that you asked me to bless, he says, I want you, all 120 of you, I want you to be in one heart and I want you to be of one mind and I want you to stay there till the Holy Spirit takes over. So do, do you know the best way to get God's plan in your life is not us planning and asking God to sprinkle a little blessing over it. The best way to get God's kingdom agenda to unfold in your life is to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. There is more power in the Holy Spirit than in all of our plans combined. I'm not saying planning is not important, but God is not concerned with your plans and my plans. Matter of fact, God might not even go in the way of our plans, but he will send his power in the direction of his plans and purpose. You understand that he will provide. You know, a great proclamation came to this, and through this he says, you will be my witnesses. Why don't we witness more? Why don't we proclaim Jesus more? How can we have such a great gift of salvation and say nothing to nobody? It's because so many times we're distracted and detached from his plan that we don't even talk about the person of Jesus Christ. First Peter says this, this is what I've called you to be. We are a kingdom of priests proclaiming his excellency. We talk about it. Why? Because it's so exciting. God, I want to talk about your excellencies to those that are around me. And you know, we've just gone through a great Christmas season, and we've read Isaiah 9 so many times. We, we, we read this most of the time at the Christmas season, but Acts, uh, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7 says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace. Listen, if you want to have more peace, he must have more government in your life. Peace means a lack of chaos in your life, in your mind, in your family, in your workplace, in the world that you live in. He says, listen, if you want to have more of my peace, then you must have more of my governing authority in you. Because he's, he says this, my government 
only increases. It never decreases. And inside of my government is more peace. And that will continue to grow and grow and grow. That he will keep fear and anxiety and worry from you because he's controlling you. You want more peace? Don't go peace hunting. Give him more governmental control today. He says, I have so many promises for you. I have promises for you. You know, some are for eternity, others are for right now. But you have to realize this, that anything God commands, God enables. Anything that he says will come about. He commands the thing as he intends to do. We ought to understand this, that God says it and it happens. That's why it's so important to have the word of the Lord in us so that when we say it, it will happen because it's his word and not ours. That his word is a sword that is life-giving, that will cut off the things that don't belong in our life, that are unholy. So this Tuesday, Kristen and I are going to begin to lead a class for the next four Tuesday nights right here. And it's a prayer and application class. Child care is provided. But this is a laboratory where we're going to come. It's going to be a short amount of teaching. And then we're going to put it into practice. And I want to invite the church to come 6.30 every Tuesday night for this month. And we're going to meet. There's going to be a time of teaching. And then we're going to use it as a laboratory experience and pray together what God wants to do in and through us, that if we're really saying, God, your kingdom come, then things in our lives have to go. Things in the church have to go. Right? Right? We can't just pray the prayer, hope that it happens. No, we're praying kingdom agenda. Things like, how do you hear from God? How do we respond? How do we talk to God? Areas we're going to talk about the prophetic and, and areas like that that God wants to use us in as a church. And so every Tuesday night, starting this Tuesday night, 630, right here, we're going to come. We're going to be together. We want to hear from the Lord. We're going to trust and believe that God is going to speak to us in this time. So I pray that you would join us. You say, well, I don't even know where to begin when I start talking about your kingdom come. Let me help with that. You start with what God reveals. What has God revealed? See, God's kingdom coincides with his word. The prayer, your kingdom come, there's a revelation in that that he's given to us. So pray into that. I don't even know what to pray. Well, you pray that. I'm, I'm, not, how do, I'm not even sure if my plans will line up with your plans. Well, here's what I just encourage you to do. Lay your plans out there and then lay the kingdom over top of that. And you and I will find out very quickly whether our plans are his plans. And if they're not his plans, they have to go. Right? Simple and true. That's it. Why? Because there's a greater agenda. There's a greater allegiance that we have, that we pray to. So, you know, 
in the Olympics, this is, a, this is another Olympic year. I love the Olympics. I don't know about you, uh, but I love watching the Olympics. I love watching the United States of America win. Are you with me? These men and women, they work hard year after year to win a medal. They go all out to win a medal. The runners that are running in that type of race, they get on the starting block. They're blazing fast. They're going 100%. There's gold and there's silver and there's bronze. And then they stand on the platform and the music begins to play. What music? What's the national anthem of the gold medal winner? Let me tell you what the judges don't ask the gold medal winner. They don't ask, what's your favorite song? Because that's what we're going to play. They don't ask that, ever. That will never be asked. No way. Because even though they ran individually, they run under a bigger banner. The athletes were representing the United States of America. So our national anthem is played for everybody else to hear because our person came in as the gold medal winner. Because in the Olympics, you represent your nation as a kingdom. God wants you and I to run for his kingdom so that when the song is played, it's his song. It's to his glory. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That you and I are all under the banner of Christ. That we come and we surrender our personal lives. We come and surrender our homes. We come and surrender our workplace. We come and surrender our campuses. We come and surrender our individual ministries. And we say, God, we're under your kingdom first. Because that's the only thing that matters. And God gets the ultimate glory from that because it's about his kingdom first and forever. I've never seen a gold medal winner pouting, standing, you know? Why? Because they come home to the United States because why? We're proud of them for what they did. Listen, God will not forget those that run hard for his kingdom. God will not forget those that are willing to surrender their own lives for the greater cause, for his plan, and for his purpose, that we are all under the anthem of God's kingdom. So church, I'm asking you. I'm asking you this year. I'm not up here just to preach another message. We have been afforded, by the grace of God, another year to do his work. I'm asking this church, are you willing to come under the banner? No, no, I'm not interested in your plan. God isn't either. God's not interested in my plan. He's interested in his plan. And that what is in the invisible, we ask to call to come out of the invisible and brought into the visible daily experience of our lives. That's what I'm saying for 2020. That's what God wants to know. And you and I will be called to adjust our lives accordingly or desire. Our desire could be to exit off the path. That's our prerogative. We either desire to stay on it 
but we desire to exit and do our own plan. But I pray for 2020, we can say at the end, like we said at the beginning, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these powerful words, your kingdom come. I pray, God, today that we would say, Heavenly Father, your kingdom is allowed to take precedence over my little kingdom. And that, God, we will run under the banner of your kingdom come. Every day that you give us in this year. That God, that we would be changed people through this 21 days of prayer and fasting, Lord. That prayer and fasting changes us. It doesn't change you. It changes us. God, we ask you that you would overrule in circumstances and situations that are beyond our control. Sicknesses and diseases and people that are lost and people that need to be found in you, Lord God, I pray that you would change our homes and you would touch our marriages and you would touch our children, that God, we are believing your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we pray this according to your word and give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen.